Well, greetings, family, in the wonderful name of Jesus. We are so glad to come to, into your home and to wherever you are sitting, listening to the word of the Lord. For all those that are joining us from the Potter's House family and from our friends that are both local and international, uh, we thank you for joining with us. It's been a great week. Uh, I can definitely say that the Lord has really spoken to us. We, without a doubt, we, we, we have heard the voice of the Lord through various men and uh, men of God and from different nations. And we're understanding that God is developing a word, not only a word for one particular nation, but is for the nations of the world. And I believe that part of, of our kingdom of the prophetic mandate over us is to disciple nations. Amen. And so out of this week, one of the words that came to us was the challenge is, are we discipling nations or are we just discipling people? Yeah. And uh, so yeah. there is a challenge that is coming that we're understanding there is a global demand on the church today uh, for us to understand that we are brothers and sisters and that one day when we when we get to the throne room of the Lord, there will be every nation, kindred, tongue, tie, people. And uh, and I, I'm so excited about being part of the the family of God because uh, really the family of God is one new nation in Christ. One We're we a new creation in Christ, and it's a whole different type of people. And so that's exciting. So tonight we have Dr. Gregory Fuller with us. Uh, the, the senior pastor, bishop over Macedonia Church of Augusta with several other ministries. I know, sir, you, you're a, a man that is in great demand and makes, makes ma major impact on many lives. And we're so glad and honored that Potter's House is your family. And, and we, uh, you, I consider you my brother, uh, yeah. not only in the faith, but I, I believe God has done much more in our lives. And so we, we thank God for your continuous sacrifice and your sharing. Even to the Macedonia family, we want to greet them and, 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 and say thank you. Thank you for, for loaning us your pastor so that he can bless us here in Africa, in South Africa. And we can also thank God for the gift. And so, I, you know, in the words of Paul, I, I thank God on every remembrance of you. Because Amen. we believe you're a vessel of honor, you're a blessing, not only to us, but also wherever you go, may God continue to use you. So the next voice you're going to hear is, is Dr. Gregory Fuller. He's going to bless us tonight. I know he's, he's got much to say, so let us yeah. listen to what God is saying. Bless us, sir. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Gerald. Thank you, my brother. You are you truly are a brother. And again, as you said, not just in the spirit, but I consider you as uh, just my brother, just in your family is my family. And um, as, as uh, uh, who was it, Jacob said to, uh, to, to, uh, uh, to Joseph, he said, your sons are now my sons. Your family is my family. Your son is my godson. And I claim him as my own. And, and the potter's house is my family. So I'm, I'm just with my family. It's, and it's, easy, it's always easy to go back home. I'm just coming back home. I'm just doing it electronically <laughs> rather, than, rather than physically. Because actually... Um, and again, I celebrate you. This is the 20th anniversary of Potter's House Ministry. And actually, if uh, things were different, uh, weren't, weren't for COVID, by God's grace, I would be there now doing what I'm doing right now, uh, ministering this word. So again, I thank God for you, Pastor Gerald. I thank God for you, the Potter's House, my family. 
Good to uh, good to be with you. Thank you for letting me share. Now I need to uh, I need to put this in and, and share with share, share this with you uh, um, uh, uh, parenthetically. I mean, make sure you get your pen and paper because I'm, I'm you're going to have to do some writing today. I'm going to teach. Uh, I'm here at the Macedonia Church. I didn't want to be at home because this message is so important to me that I wanted to have the spirit of, of worship and the spirit of, of teaching, as I do here at Macedonia, to come across in this message today. So I need you to get pen and paper, something to write with uh, uh, Potter's House Ministry. Again, I greet you, I celebrate you, but I want you to, to get this message, and I want you to talk about it after the message is uh, has been delivered. This is not a message that operates in emotion. This is a message for you to ponder, for you to um, for you to ponder and prayerfully for you to apply. Now, uh, this is part two of the message I shared with you on Monday. The message I shared with you on Monday. Please go back and, and check that out if you uh, if you haven't seen it. Is uh, uh, pray for the spirit of the sons of Issachar. And we're coming from I, I was coming from First Chronicles chapter twelve verse thirty two with that. Which that's going to be our anchor scripture for today as well, 1 Chronicles 12, 32. But I want to read, for context's sake, I want to read 1 Chronicles 12, 20, uh, 23. And then, I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles 12, 32 is the anchor scripture. Uh, 1 Chronicles 12, 23 is uh, the scripture we're going to read uh, for context. And then we're going to go to 32. And then we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 15. And most of the message is going to be based on that, but we're going back to our anchor scripture, 1 Chronicles 12, 32. Before we begin, let's pray. God, Master, in the name of Jesus, to your glory, Master, use me, use this message that your people would be edified as you are glorified. We thank you for this opportunity to share. Now, oh God, you speak, for your servants are listening. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, so let's begin. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, 23. And then First Chronicles, First Chronicles 12, 32. And then we're going to go to Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 15. Here we go. First Chronicles 12, 23. Now, these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him, according to the word of the Lord. 32 of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. And we read that again of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times. Remember, I told you times here actually means seasons. Who had understanding of the seasons that Israel was in to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 15. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 15. The Word of God records, and I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. The Word of God records, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of, of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go to the other gods, to the gods of the peoples who are all around you, 
For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. Today in this message, now remember on, on Monday I talked about the spirit of the sons of Issachar. Pray for the spirit of the sons of Issachar. Today I want to talk about from transition to transfer. From transition to transfer. Make sure you write that down. From transition to transfer. Both of these scriptures that I read, 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and Deuteronomy 6, speaks about a people who are going from transition, who are transitioning and, and, and acquiring a transfer. 1 Chronicles chapter 12 talks about the transitioning of a government uh, coming from Saul, who, who was killed in battle. The, tra the, the, the government was transitioning from the kingdom being under Saul to the kingdom being under David. And David now is experiencing a wealth transfer. Here was a one, a, a, a once a shepherd boy and then a fugitive who is now being made a king. He's experiencing a transition there. Israel's experienced a transition in government, but David himself is experiencing a transfer of wealth. All right. He's experienced a transfer from a shepherd boy to a king. Deuteronomy chapter six is uh, this is this is Moses speaking to Israel as he's about to depart. He's about to be taken up into the mountain and God is about to take him uh, for to his reward. And he's talks, the whole, all of Deuteronomy talks about uh, is Moses telling Israel, preparing them for the battle. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses is preparing Israel for the transition from being in the wilderness to go into the promised land. He's saying God is about to take you into the land that he promised you. You are about to transition from being wilderness wanderers to settlers in uh, in the land of, 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 of Canaan, to the, in the promised land. And in the process of this transition, in the culmination of this transition, you are going to experience a wealth transfer. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. Those houses are going to be filled with goods that you didn't, you didn't acquire. You're going to drink from wells that you didn't dig, that you didn't dig. What Moses is saying is, you're about to experience a transition, but also a wealth transfer. Listen, this is the word that God has given to me uh, for us today, all of us. We are a transition people. We, we are, God has us as a transition people. We are transitioning. The world has transitioned. Just a few months ago, we were in one place, but now we are totally different. In fact, we even talk about a new normal. Why is it a new normal? We don't even know what the normal is. We haven't even gotten here yet. But the world has transitioned. And let me let me talk about what I mean by uh, transition. Biblically, there are seven people or seven periods, if you will, uh, where where uh, Israel or God's people transitioned. So they 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 transitioned. There are seven transition people. We are a transitional people. There are seven people in the Bible, let me give them to you, who were transitional people. There was Noah. Noah was the tra Noah transitioned from pre-flood to reconstruction. Uh, God had given, of course, uh, God had spoken to Adam, you know, you, uh, I, I made you to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and so forth and so on. And, and, and Adam had authority over the garden. But now because of the sin, uh, because of the sin of Adam, wickedness filled the earth and God destroyed the world. 
all of the world because of the wickedness, the scripture says, that was in the world. That's, that's uh, Genesis chapter 6. But God raised up a transitional person, Noah by name, who would transition the world from a world of wickedness to a world that was supposed to be a world of righteousness, who would obey uh, God, who would, who would do the will of God. So Noah was a reconstruction uh, uh, a reconstruction leader. He was a transitional person. The next transitional person we see in the Bible is Abraham. Abraham transitions from being uh, uh, polythe uh, uh, from polytheism to monotheism. Uh, uh, polytheist means that poly meaning many many and mono meaning one. Uh, uh, Abraham's father worshipped gods. Uh, he he worshipped gods, but but. Abraham is introduced to the one true God. And so he transitions from polytheism to monotheism, from an individual doing whatever is right in his own eyes to those who are, who are doing the will of God. Abraham was the second transitional person in the Bible. The, thir the third transitional person is Moses, who we just talked about. Moses transitions Israel from slavery to freedom, and from becoming a family, because Israel went into Egypt as a family, but they came out a nation. Moses was a transitional person from slavery to freedom and from a family to a nation. The next transitional person is, the, uh, is Joshua. Joshua leads Israel from wilderness wandering into the promised land. Joshua leads them from, from being wanderers to settlers in, uh, in, 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 in Canaan, in the promised land. So he transitions them. The next transitional person in the Bible that we see, the fifth, fifth person is Samuel. Sam, tra Samuel transitions Israel from judges to the prophets. He's transitioning. He is the last judge. Uh, Samuel's the last judge, but he also is a prophet. So he transitions uh, uh, the, the people, Israel, from judges to the prophets, and also from tribes to a kingdom, to the kingdom, the kingdom led by Saul. He anoints the first king, Saul. So again, Samuel transition. He's a transitional person who transitions Israel from the judges to the prophets and from Israel being tribes to a kingdom. Now, the next transitional person that we see is John the Baptist. John the Baptist transitions, he's the last prophet, well, not just to say the last prophet, he is the last, if you want to say, Old Testament prophet. He transitions us from the Old Testament into the New Testament, and he transitions from the prophets uh, to the introduction of the king and the kingdom. He, uh, yeah, he, he's transitional in that, again, he's one of the, he's the last, if you will, Old Testament, Old Covenant prophets who transitions us from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but also from the prophets to the king and the kingdom of God. And so the last transitional person, as you already know, is Jesus. Jesus transitions us, transitions the world from the introduction of the kingdom of God into the manifestation of the kingdom of God. He's transitioning. Again, John introduces, repent, for the kingdom of God is coming, but Jesus takes from goes from the kingdom of God is coming to the kingdom of God is at hand, and He is the King. He transitions from the from the introduction of the kingdom of God to the manifestation. He does the works of the kingdom, and He leaves it to us to continue the work of the kingdom of God. So again, 
Biblically, there are seven transitional people. Now listen, God has so blessed us, and I say blessed us, we're going through a difficult time. God has so blessed us that God has anointed us, and I believe we're anointed for these times in this, in this season. This, I believe that for such a time as this, we are, we have, God is using us as transitional people because the world has transitioned from what it was just the beginning of the year. Within a few months, we are transitioning to become something else. We have, again, we're in a new normal. We don't even know what the normal is. We haven't even gotten, yet, gotten there yet. We're still in the process of this transition. And as the scripture says, and this is taken out of context, I admit, I admit it, it does not yet appear what we shall be. This new, this new normal, we don't know. We don't know. Let me tell you, the church, the church is in a transition period right now. We're, we're, we're learning, we've, as I said on, on Monday, we're learning that some of the things that we thought were, were important in worship, we learned that that's not really important anymore. There are churches that were built on programs. Well, those churches that are built on programs are learning that uh, when you can't meet, there are no programs. And so your church has got to be more than a program church. The church has got to be based on the purpose. It's got to have a mission, a vision. And so, again, the church is transitioning. We here at Macedonia, um, we are already preparing for us to come back together and prayerfully uh, New Year's Eve. And we, we, we can't meet. We, you know, I praise God that you all can at least meet, I think, 50 people. Uh, no more than 50 people at a time. Well, you know, our congregation has over 2,000 members, and if we met 50 people at a time, we would never leave the church. Some of us would never leave the church. And so we can't meet. So we do things outside and that kind of thing. Again, we're transitioning. We're going outside of the church to have worship and that kind of thing. But when we do come back together, we will not be the way, be the same that we were the beginning of this year. Why? Because the church is transitioning. And you know what? Families are transitioning as well. Families, are, there are persons who have spent time with their families now that they had never spent before. Children see their parents more now, have seen their parents more in the last few months, some of them, than they, than they had before. Because children here in America uh, couldn't, they just started back to school last month, and some of them this month, and the parents couldn't go out, and so they're isolated. So families are now spending time, more time together, and learning what's more important, what's most important, what's prioritized. They're prioritizing because we are transitioning. Now, here's the thing. Transition people have a great responsibility and obligation. They have the responsibility to make sure that the transition goes in such a way that what we end up with is, is, is as good as or better than what we left. We won't ever be the same. But we have the responsibility to make sure that the next generation, whatever foundation we lay right now, I want you to hear me right now, whatever foundation you lay with your family, whatever foundation we lay as a church, I, I've shared with my leaders, whatever it is, we, we, we're seeking God for where we should go as a church. Because whatever we do when we come back is going to be the foundation that we lay that we can build on. Now watch this. The deeper the foundation the, the, the bigger the structure. You can't build a big structure. You can't build a big structure of your family, of, of the church, if you have a, a flimsy, light uh, 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 foundation, just foundation. The deeper the foundation, the, the heavier the foundation, the more you can build on it. And so we need to make sure that as transition people, that we lay a foundation that is sure, 
that generations after us can build on this foundation. This transition period is the most critical period for us to be seeking God, fasting, praying, seeking where God will have us to go as individuals, as families, as churches, as even your business. Businesses that were in churches that were flaky and light are not going to make it in this time. You have to have a foundation that will be so that if something else comes along and there will be something else after Corona, that whatever else comes along, you have secured, you, 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 you secured that foundation in such a way that whatever comes along, whatever comes, you're able to stand that, that whatever winds blow, whatever rains fall, that building, that structure is able to stand on that foundation. We are in a critical period. We have a responsibility and an obligation to lay this foundation in such a way that we, as we transition, that next generations, two, three, five, ten generations from now, they can build on what we lay right here. We are transition people. But now watch this. And this is where you're going to have to do some writing. Get this. We're not only transition people, but this is also a period of going from transition to transfer. We are <laughs> my God, we're in a place right now where we're there. My God, help me, Holy Spirit. There is a wealth transfer that's available to us if we take avail, take uh, take take uh, take uh, take, uh, take the opportunity, take uh, avail ourselves to the opportunity. Watch this. I was listening to um, I listened to I, I don't watch a lot of television, that kind of thing. I watch television that, um, you know, the, the economists and and stock markets and that kind of thing. And I, I watch a lot of history and that kind of thing. I, I heard one billionaire, he's a billionaire, not a millionaire, billionaire make this statement. And I quote, he says this, this is the time of the greatest wealth transfer that the world has ever seen. He said, this is the time, the greatest wealth transfer. Everything, watch this, every company, every major company, just about every major company that, whose stock prices were up, in January and February, in March, those stock prices went down. And this is the time, he's, he's saying that this is the time when, when, when wealth is now, is now available for persons that it was not available for, available to in the past, because now they can take advantage of the low stock prices, and now they can start things anew in such a way that uh, they, they didn't have the opportunity before. Another economist makes this statement. He said, uh, and I quote, I quote him here. He says, we now could see millennials become millionaires. Talking about this wealth transfer. He says, we now can see millennials become millionaires because many persons who had the money lost the money. Everything is down. Now is the time to buy land, to buy houses, to, to rent out and that kind of thing. Why? Because everything is down. There are persons who have to sell. And it's not that we're taking advantage of anybody, but if somebody uh, loses their house, the bank's going to get it and they're going to sell it, but they're going to sell it for cheaper. So I want you to hear me. This is the time uh, to go from transition to transfer. If you will receive it, and let me say it again, if you will receive it, for all who can receive and who will all will act on it, this is the time for kingdom wealth transfer. And when I talk about wealth, I'm not just talking about money. This, I believe, is the time for souls to be saved, for people to be delivered. Why? Because people are seeking for God who is a savior and a deliverer. And we who are kingdom citizens, this is the greatest opportunity that we have to be a witness 
for what God can do if you give your life to him. This is the time to go from, from, to go from transition to transfer. Let me go back to the scripture here in Deuteronomy. I want to read this to you again. I want you to hear this. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 15. Get this now. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 15. Listen to what Moses says. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of goods which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him, and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of uh, the, the gods of the peoples who are all around you, for the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you, you and against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. Again, Moses speaking to Israel is saying to them, watch this, you've been 40 years in the wilderness. You're 40 years in the wilderness. You've been slaves prior to that for over four, for 400 years, 40 years in the wilderness. God is about to transition you to go from being wilderness wanderers to, to settlers in, a, in the promised land. But God is also going to give you a wealth transfer. He's going to transfer the wealth of the, watch this, of the wicked into the hands of the righteous. You know that scripture. I'm going to talk about it in a moment. He's about to transfer. So you're going to live houses you didn't build. Those houses are going to be filled with things, precious things that you didn't work for. You're going, to, you're going to eat fruit from trees that you didn't plant. You're going to drink from wells that you didn't, that you didn't dig. You're going, to, you're going to eat up the, the, the fruit, the blessings of the land, because I'm about, God says, God, God says through Moses, I'm about to give you a wealth transfer. Now watch this. We know that scripture. Since I said it, let's go there. Proverbs chapter 13. Verse 22, Proverbs 13, 22. Listen to what it says here. The scripture says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You know this already, but then it says this. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Let me read it again. I want you to listen to the words. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is what? Stored up for the righteous. Now, here's the question. Why do the sinners have the wealth of the righteous? Let me just ask that again. Why is it that the sinners have the wealth of the righteous? This is the time when we who are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus are to claim what has been stored up for us. My God, I want to shout there right here. This is the time when we ought to, we ought to go after what the sinners have stored. And now watch this. The sinners have been storing it up, waiting for us to come and get it. The scripture says that the whole earth groans and travails waiting for the manifestation. Romans chapter 8, waiting for the manifestation of the sun, waiting for us to take authority, waiting for us to claim what is right for, rightfully ours, waiting for us to realize who we are in Christ Jesus and go after everything that God has promised us, dominion, authority, life, life, everla life everlasting, life abundantly. God is waiting. And right now, right now, is the time for us to go from this transition period to claim the wealth transfer, not just money, 
but also souls and, and, and territory, property. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. This is the time for us to claim what is rightfully ours. Now watch this. Here's the evidence of this wealth transfer. When have you ever seen, when has there ever been a time in human history where the government is giving citizens money? I know it's happened there in South, South Africa that the government gave certain, I'm not sure what the uh, criteria was, but the government, in order to supplement people's income, in order to make sure that persons had, um, you know, had some livelihood, businesses and that kind of thing, the government gave money here in America. If you made under, I think it was like $50,000, the government gave you $1,200, uh, uh, $1,200 per person. If you had children, they gave more. The government was giving money away. That has never happened before. That is a testimony. That is, that's an example of God saying, I'm about to take the wealth of the sinner and put it into the hands of the righteous. The question is, can the, do the righteous know what to do with that wealth? The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. Listen, here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem with us, the righteous, the problem with us as church, and I'm speaking here primarily for us here in, in America, but I've seen it there in South Africa also. Here's the problem. We're too emotional. We come to church and we shout and we praise and we ought to do that. We're not going to stop shouting. We're not going to stop praising. We're not going to stop glory. But we're shouting. We're praising broke. We're shouting and we're praising and talking about God as a healer and God will deliver. But we take medications. We take pills to go to bed at night, pills to wake up in the morning, pills to stay up all day long. We deal with sicknesses and that kind of thing. Listen, we cannot be the witnesses that we are called to be if we're living the same way as the rest of the world. The problem is we do all the shouting, all the praising and all that kind of thing. Praise. But you know what? We can praise a whole lot louder if we have our bills paid, if we are debt free. We can praise a whole lot because we serve a God who's able. Isn't he able to do it? He's able to, to, to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think. Our problem is that we are too emotional. Let me give you the scripture, show you what I'm talking about. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 8. Watch this. Luke chapter 16, verse, verse 8, 1 through 8. Jesus gives the parable of this, uh, of this steward who, uh, who, who, who is not faithful in his stewardship. And Jesus makes this statement about the steward. He wasn't faithful, but then we found out he was about to lose everything. He went to the, his master's creditors and he told the creditors, okay, you owe a certain amount of, uh, so, so, so certain amount of uh, barrels of oil. Give me half of that. You don't owe a certain amount of, uh, of, of bushels of grain. Give me a quarter of that. And he brought, he brought something back because God is always looking for a return on his investment. Let me stop and put this in parenthetically. Let me share this with you. God has invested in you. We, you, every day that we wake up is God investing. God does nothing. God does, let me put it another way. God does everything for a reason and a purpose. And that reason and purpose is to glorify him. When God wakes you up in the morning, he's making an investment in the world. And at the end of the day, God is looking for a return on his investment. When, when, so when God, when the master shows up and says, give an account of your stewardship, and he hasn't done it. What he does is he goes and again, he gets he, he may not have gotten uh, uh, all of the master's uh, uh, goods back, but he brought back some. And then Jesus makes this statement. Jesus says this, Luke chapter 16, verse eight. Jesus says, for the sons of this world 
are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. That's now that's that, that, we, we ought to be ashamed of that. That the sons of this world, persons who don't even know Christ Jesus, persons who don't go to church, they have the wealth with we who are called by his name, we who, uh, who praise him, we who love him, we who say that we serve him and all that he can do. We're, we're, we're going from day to day, just barely make it. That is not the will of God. God says to Adam, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth with other fruitful and multiply people. Uh, listen. We are supposed to be the ones that the world come to to find out how we got what we got. And we're supposed to give the testimony is because we serve a God who owns everything. And because of our faithfulness to him, he is faithful to us. The sons of this age are wiser, are, are more shrewd. They know how to deal uh, in these times more than more so than we who are the children of light, we who are church members and saved and, and, and the delivered, that should not be. God, I want God to commend me because everything he's put in my hands, I've used it, I've invested it, and I've gotten a return on it, and I'm giving him back. Remember what the scripture says. God says even about his word, my word will not return void. It will produce in the thing that I purposed it for. It will always come back and generate more. What are you doing in your life? What are you doing at this time in this transition period to set yourself up that there is a transfer that goes from some something else into your hand that you can present back to God to say, this is what I got in your name for your glory. We are transition people and we're going from transition to transfer. Now, I want to give you five uh, is if I want to give you five things that you must do in order to go from transition to transfer. This is what I want you to write down. Get this now, five things, write this down. I'm almost done. Five things that you've got to do. The first thing is you have to pray, as I said on Monday, for the spirit of the sons of Issachar. I said this on Monday. I'm just going to give you just a, uh, just a, uh, just a preview of what I said on, on Monday. Remember, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, the scripture says, of the sons of Issachar who had an understanding of the times, that means seasons, to know what Israel ought to do. You've got to pray that God gives you the spirit of the sons of Issachar, which is three things, the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I know I'm being redundant. I said it on Monday, but I want to go back over it because somebody needs to get this. The spirit of the sons of Issachar was the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Now, let me explain again, as I did on Monday, what the difference is. Knowledge is information. Understanding is comprehension. And wisdom is application. Make sure you write that down. The spirit of the sons of Issachar is the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Knowledge is information. It is the what. Understanding is comprehension. It is the why. And wisdom is application. It is the how, the where, and the when. Because remember I said on Monday, you can do the right thing, which is knowledge. That's the what. But if you do it at the wrong time, that's the wisdom or the lack of wisdom, then it's the wrong thing. And so again, knowledge without wisdom, you'll have what to do. But if you don't have wisdom and understanding, you will have you will know what to do, but you'll either never get anything done because you won't do anything, or you'll do something and do it at the wrong time, in the wrong place, in the wrong way for the wrong reason, and you won't have success in that. Uh, e even prayer. Prayer is good. Prayer. Men ought to always pray, but not to faint. But watch this. 
when you pray without wisdom and understanding, the scripture says, you pray, you ask, but you don't receive. Why? Because you ask for the wrong reason. That's a lack of understanding. You ask, you ask amiss. You ask to, to satisfy your own selfishness. That's because you don't have understanding of what prayer is all about. Again, so praying for the spirit of the sons of Issachar is praying for the spirit of knowledge to know what to do, the spirit of understanding to understand why you are doing what you're doing, and the spirit of wisdom that you may know when to do it, where to do it, and how to do it. Married people understand this. You, you know, you can, you can watch. You can know the right thing to say. It can be the right thing to say, but if you say it at the wrong time and if you say it in the wrong way, instead of bringing peace you can create war. Why? Because the right thing at the wrong time and the wrong way is the wrong thing. So again, the first, my first point, starting with where I left off on Monday, pray for the spirit of the sons of Issachar. The second point is the liken unto that. Surround yourself with people who have the spirit of the sons of Issachar. Write that down. You've got to surround yourself with people, watch this, who, who have understanding of the times, the seasons, and know what you should be doing. Surround yourself with people who are, and that's what David did. David has at, had as his time. He's the king, because watch this. Even the king needs wise counsel. The Bible tells us that we ought to seek wise counsel. By wise counsel, you wage war. You don't wage, wage war by just your opinion. You get wise counsel to know how to go to war, how to go to war against debt, how to go to war against poverty, how to go to war against corruption. you got to seek wise counsel. That's one of the things I'm talking about here to our young people here, uh, or I shouldn't say young people, to our, our, our people here as we are dealing with social injustice and that kind of thing. And, you know, they want to burn things down and they want to march and everything. I'm saying, OK, fine. You want you want to do that. But you got to have wisdom to know how to fight. It doesn't help your cause when you burn down your own neighborhood. That makes that's not wisdom. In fact, that's a lack of wisdom. You got to know how to fight. But you got to, again, seek wise counsel. Sit down with persons who've been through uh, who, who've been through. The, uh, uh, the apartheid era, who've been through uh, the civil rights area here in, 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 in America, and learn from them how to go to war, how the best way, the best strategy to get done what you want to get done. You need to surround yourself with people who have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. You don't need people around you who are going to agree with you all the time, because let's admit it, sometimes you're crazy. I can admit it, I'll tell you, sometimes I'll say things and when it's coming out my mouth, I know it's crazy, but I'll keep saying it anyway because I don't want to take it back. You need somebody to give you wisdom, surround yourself, to hold you back, to, to keep you from jumping off the cliff, if you will, when, when, uh, when you feel like committing suicide. You need people who have wise counsel, who have wise counsel. And so get surround yourself with people. You don't need people who are not going anywhere. You want people who have a vision and who have a, who want to go where you want to go so you all can go there together. Surround yourself with people who, who have the spirit of the sons of Iskar. That's number two. The, sec the third thing you need to do as, you, uh, as, as, as we go from transition to transfer is pray that God will give you the plan for your life. Pray for the plan. I want to read this scripture to you. Job chapter 42, verse 2. Job makes this statement as, he, as he's in, in the midst of his suffering. Job says this. He's, he's praying to God and he says, I know that you can do anything 
and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Let me read that again. Job 42, verse 2. Job says, I know that you can do anything and that no purpose of yours will be of yours can be withheld. And Job, Job is saying, whatever you put out, you again, I say it, you always have fruit that comes forth, whatever you plant, whatever you purpose will come to pass. It cannot be withheld from you. Now, how does that relate to your plan? Seek God for the plan for your life, for the plan for your family. And we need to seek God for the plan for our churches right now. God, where do you want us to be? Where, what is the church supposed to look like right now? What is, what is the church supposed to do at this time when we're in this transition period? When we are able to come back together, what I want to see, Lord, what, what you want your church to look like when, as we go through this, and then when we come back together. One of the prayers that I pray on a regular basis is, God, what would you do with Macedonia if you were the pastor of Macedonia? I want to know that. God, I, I, I seek, God, what is it that you would do as pastor of Macedonia if you were the pastor of Macedonia? Because I want to do what God would do, because whatever God does cannot be withheld from him. You need to seek God for the plan for your life. Spend some time fasting and praying. God, what is the plan that you have for my life? Show me. Without vision, people perish. And so show me, show me the vision that you have for my life. Now watch this. To single people, don't you get with somebody who don't have a plan. My God, I'm going to shout right here. You need to get this. Don't you marry somebody. If you ask them, well, where are you going? Well, I, I, I'm not going anywhere. No, you need to run from that person. Because especially, sisters, the scripture says that, that God says uh, of, of Adam, God says, let us make a helper for him. It's not good for man to be alone. I, let us make a helper. Now, watch this. A, a man doesn't need a wife to help if, he don't, if he's not doing anything. <laughs> if you're not doing anything, you don't need help. You don't need help sitting watching television. You don't need help sitting watching a uh, uh, playing video games. You don't need any help with that. You can have somebody else to play with, but you, you, you don't need a wife for that. And, and so, sisters, I'm telling you, when you meet that brother, when you meet someone, you, okay, you like him, he looks good, all that kind of stuff, ask him what his plan is. If he doesn't have a plan, then that's probably not the person for you because you, a man without a plan doesn't go anywhere. You have to have a plan. The churches, one of the things we're working on, again, here at Macedonia, and I've asked our, our youth uh, uh, director, uh, give me, let's sit down and let's work on, give me a two-year plan for our youth ministry. We're working on our three-year, five-year, ten-year plan for our church because your plan keeps you focused. It keeps you, keeps you going. It, it gives you a direction that you, you need to go in, go on, so you don't go astray, you don't get sidetracked, and that you don't stand still. Ask God for the plan for your life. Every church belongs to God. Ask God for the plan for your church, the mission, the vision for your church. And don't try to adopt somebody else's plan. Listen, you can't fit in everybody else's clothes. The church can't fit. Your church, this church, Potter's House, Macedonia, can't fit in someone else's vision. We have to follow the vision that God has. The purposes of God will not be withheld from him. We have to follow the purposes of God for this ministry, for your ministry, and for our individual lives. Everybody needs to sit down and ask the Lord, Lord, what is the vision? What is the plan for my life, for my family, and for my church? And then the, 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 the fourth thing is, is along with that. You need to write that plan, that strategic plan down, for your life. 
write that strategic plan down. What, what do I mean by that? Okay, you got God says, I want you to be here. Now you got to write down a strategic plan by following the Holy Spirit of how to get to where you're going. You got children. You want your children to go to college. Okay. All right, good. Do you want them to go to college? That's a wonderful plan. That's a wonderful vision that you have for your children. How are you going to get there? Because if you don't write that down, you'll start spending money here and spending money there. And by the time it comes for them to graduate from high school to go to college, they won't have the money to go to college. You've got to write down the steps, the, 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 uh, the, the markers, if you will. Okay, we, this, this year we got to do this. This year we have to do this. In order for us to get there, we have to do these steps, follow these steps to get there. I recommend everybody write down a three-year, a, a one-year, three-year, five-year, 10-year strategic plans. I am next month, praise God. I'm like, I'm like mother, I'm like mother there, who uh, next month is my birthday also. Next month I'll be 57 years old. Praise God. I'm rejoicing because I never thought I'd even see 50 years old. God has blessed me to see if, if I see it 57 years old. But you know what? I have a plan. I have a plan for what, what, where I want to be when I'm 60, written it down, where I want to be when I'm 65, where I want to be when I'm 70, where I want to be when I'm 75. My plan for the end of this year, I'm going to give it to you. So when, I, when, it, when God blesses me to be able to do it, I'm going to share it with you and just as a testimony of what God can do. My plan for the end of this year, the end of this year, I will be debt free. I just moved into my house December of, uh, of last year, bought a new house December of last year. And it's a, got a 30-year mortgage, but I have a plan. And by the end of this year, I declare it, I proclaim it in the name of Jesus, I declare it, declare it by faith, by the end of this year, my house will be paid off. Because I've already put steps in place, I've already made some investments, I've already done some things, following my strategic plan for me to be debt-free by the end of this year. When it's done, I'm going to come back and tell you just to let you know what God can do. Why? Because I'm following the plan. Now, there's some other things I want to do with my house. There's, there's, some, there's some things I want to do, but I'm not going to do that this year. I'm not going to spend the money on those things. Why? Because I'm following my strategic plan to achieve the goal that I believe, in fact, I know God has for me. Write down your strategic plan. Every, every family, write down your plan. Where do you want to be in two years? Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Write that plan down. Your church, church needs to, again, I know I've said it, but I'm going to keep on saying this. Potter's House and, and Pastor Gerald, please don't hear me tell, trying to tell your members what to do. But I, I just believe this wholeheartedly. Every church needs to have a strategic plan of where you're going, which you, what, where, where you want to be and how you're going to get there. Write the plan down. It, it, isn't that what Habakkuk tells us in chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 2? The scripture says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may read, who, he may run who reads it, who reads it. Here's the thing. We're not going to always be here. You write the plan down so that if the Lord should take you, the, the vision is still the vision, but those who come after you can run and achieve that goal. Write that vision down and make it plain on, on paper, on tablets. Uh, listen, make it plain on tablets, <laughs> on, your, on your iPad or on some tablet and that whoever reads that plan after, if you can achieve it, then the next generation can run with that vision. And here's the thing that I believe about vision. Let me just throw this in parenthetically. Vision, there's a difference between a dream and a vision. A dream can be achieved in your lifetime, but a vision can only be achieved through generations. Listen, David had a vision 
of building the temple of God. He had a vision of building the temple, but he was not able to do it in his lifetime. It took the next generation. The dream can be achieved in your, uh, uh, in your lifetime, but a vision is something that generations can build on. That's the reason why a good man, watch this, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. What is he leaving? He's leaving something for them, his children and his grandchildren to build on because he's already laid a solid, sound foundation. You write that vision. You got to have a plan, but then you write the vision for that plan down for the next generation so that whoever comes after you can run with that vision. And then here's the last thing. Let me go back over. Let me go back over. The first thing, you need to pray for the spirit of the sons of Issachar. I'm almost done. Pray for the spirit of the sons of Issachar. The second thing, surround yourself with people who have the spirit of the sons of Issachar, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Number three, pray that God gives you the plan, gives you a plan for your life. Pray for the, the vision of God. The purposes of God will not be withheld from him. Four, write the strategic plan down. Write the, write the strategic plan down to achieve that vision, to achieve that, that, that plan. And number five, here's the, here's the thing. This is, this is just really a matter of what you got to do, what you decide to do. You got to decide that you're going to live and not die. I know that sounds simple, but it's, it's profound. It, trust me, that's profound. You got to decide that you're going to live and not die. Watch this. You got to decide, get this word, that you're going to live and not just exist. My God, too many people, too many of God's children having decided that they want to live. They just want to exist. They just want to wake up in the morning and uh, eat a little food, go to a little job, come back home, eat a little food, uh, get a, uh, you know, watch a little TV and go to sleep, wake up and everyone. That's not living. Listen, listen. The, the, the script Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you may have life, and not just life, but have it more abundantly. Now watch this. Jesus says, I come that you might have life. Now, if he's come that you might have life, that must mean that prior to his coming, you don't have life. You're just existing. The difference between living and existing is people who are just existing don't have a plan. They don't have vision. They don't have goals. They're not going anywhere. They're just breathing God's good air and eating some food and content. And all of us should be content. They're not, not content. They're satisfied because there's a difference between being content and satisfied. Content means I thank God for what I got, but I know God can do exceedingly abundantly more. And I'm expecting that. Satisfied means I'm, I'm happy with where I am. And if I don't get anything else, that is not living. you got to decide that you're going to live. Jesus says, I come to give you life and give it to you more. But you ought to want more peace, more joy. You ought to want more money. You ought to want more land. You ought to want more out of life. Don't just go on a trip, go on vacation. Don't just ride down the street, go, go to another country. See something different. You gotta decide that you're going to live and not just exist. The scripture says this in, in Habakkuk chapter two, verse four. Let me give you this one. The scripture says that behold, the proud, his soul uh, is, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. It doesn't say exist. You should live by your faith. I pray that you would live and not just exist. Let me give you one more scripture, and this is where I'm closing, right here. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. My God, get this. Jesus says, and you shall receive power after, Holy, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
and you shall be witnesses of me. And then he goes on to say in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of it. Watch this. He says, you shall be witnesses of me. Now get this. I've been talking about this at Macedonia. We know witnessing as going out and talking to people about Jesus. I don't believe that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus was talking about. I think Jesus was saying your life should be a witness. People ought to look at you and say, my God, how are you living the life that you're living? How are you where you are? And you ought to give testimony because I got my hand in God's hand, because God is my father, because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You should not have to give your testimony. You ought to be the testimony. Why? Because you have gone from transition to transfer. I pray that upon you right now, that you won't just have to be, give a testimony, that you would be a testimony. God bless you. God keep you. This is my prayer for you. Pastor Gerald. Amen. Dr. Dr. Fuller, thank you very, very much for this sharing that word. Uh, yes, it, it, it just kind of wrapped up this whole conference, put everything into perspective. And, 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 I, and, and there's a clear line that I mm. see coming through the whole conference. God is saying it's not just time to just receive word. It's time to act on what we receive. And, and to do some good what we receive. Manifest it. Manifest it. Yeah. 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 So uh, thank you for this word on transition to transfer. Uh, you know, I think in a time when everybody is just thinking about just getting through each day um, and just getting by each moment and uh, we, we and, and this really existing. Existing. You know, and, yeah. 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 Uh, we, 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 when we start to think and prepare that yeah. and, and understand that, that this is a moment of transition and, and this is also a moment of transfer. That, yeah. And I, I'm excited about the, the word transfer because uh, everybody else is just worried about just making it through. But I believe kingdom people are, are seizing this moment and understanding that God is doing something powerful in this Amen. moment. Amen. So thank you for that word. Thank you for bless that you. word. God bless you. Would, you. would you pray us out tonight? I'd be honored. I'd be honored. I'd be honored. Let's pray. God, Master, in the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you for trusting us, trusting us in this transition period. Thank you for trusting us to be transitional people, for trusting us, for putting everything in us that we need to transition the world and your, and your kingdom that, your, that the world would be, become kingdom citizens, oh master, that yes. they would trans, tra, we transition and that you would give us the transfers that when people see us, they know, oh God, that the wealth of the sinner is no longer stored up for the righteous, mm -hmm. but is now in the hands of the righteous. Thank you, Lord, that we're, we are witnesses of you, not just with our words, but with our very lives. We are not just surviving, we are thriving. In the name of Jesus, I pray that upon the Potter's House Ministry, I pray for Pastor Gerald and Sister Annie and Joash and the whole family and, and, and Neil and man, I pray for the whole Manny, all, the whole family, just everybody, God, all of the Potter's House, all of the houses that are under the Potter's House covering. Uh, God, I just pray that you bless. I pray that every house would thrive and not just survive, that you would trust them with the transfer of wealth 
the transfer, O oh God, that it may be in their hands, that they would glorify you with it and edify your people. I believe you for it. We believe you for it. We declare it. We're going after it, God. We're going after it because you said it's ours. So we claim it in the name of Jesus, and we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord. Amen. Bless his name. Amen. Bless his name. Thank you once again, Dr. Fuller. We really appreciate it. Uh, we know that we are anointed for this. Amen. Praise God. Yes, we are. Anointed for this. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And to all of you that have been listening, I can assure you, you were blessed. I'm excited. Just remember, we are, we, we, we are, we are meeting tomorrow morning at, at 8.30 if you're joining us online. And I know you will be blessed. God bless. Have a great evening. Good night.